Hi there, this is Tracy here, just dropping in to let you know that on today's podcast, we will be discussing topics like self-harm and suicide. So if this is something that has been challenging for you in the past, it might be useful to listen to it with a friend or potentially skip this episode. Bye for now. Yama. Welcome, friends, to Understanding EMDR Therapy. I'm your host, Tracy Lynch, EMDR consultant, clinical counsellor, and psychotherapist. And I pay my respects to all First Nation peoples and to our elders, past, present, and future. And today, coming to you from Newcastle, Australia, on Awabakal land, I am really excited to welcome Cecile, Dr. Cecile. Boganin is joining us today. Welcome, Cecile. Hi, Tracy. Hello. We've we've had a bit of a rough time, haven't we? We've had a few false starts. Yes, life happened in the middle of all of it. It it does. It does tend to do that. But yeah, thank you for joining us today. And I just feel like you've got some really rich things to offer our EMDR community. So can you start by telling us about you? Sure. So First of all, thanks for having me on your amazing podcast. Um, me. So yeah. I guess in the last three, four years, I've had a bit of a transformation. Um, I'm one of those people who um, really, and I'm actually saying this with the utmost respect and compassion and empathy for those who had the opposite effect, but I actually benefited from the COVID lockdown and all of that period. I um, came across new ways of learning about myself, uh, you know, and who I am in this body and this mind I carry around and on this beautiful planet. And so I've started doing a lot of weird things like the the Wim Hof method and the very intense Mm -hmm. breathing, um, ice bath, um, and nature. I love, you know, I'm the yeah. crazy woman who takes her dog at the park without the, her shoes so I can connect. <laughs> so so this new these new, maybe not new, but um parts of you that are showing up and engaging in ice baths and taking your dog to the park without shoes on. What what are they offering you? What are they what are they providing for you? Those parts. I guess they are parts in in, in development, <laughs> in progress. Yeah, yeah. Because it's really this this transition really taught me that essentially I know nothing, and mm-hmm. I know nothing. So I have so much to learn. Yeah, and this is where I'm putting all of my, you know, efforts and motivation in just getting to know things myself, the world, yeah. people, my yeah. family, all of that. Yeah, beautiful. And so and so you strike me as someone who's very humble because I also know that alongside of that not knowing and that and be, and that curiosity and becoming it feels like you also have learnt a lot in the last did you say about 7 years of study? Um yes, so the DSIC was 7 and a half years of I mean you know the journey from undergrad to DSAC and then 
Um, and then after that, so another, what is it, another seven years after that? Yeah, you're right. So 14 yeah. years. 14 years of study. So tell us about your about about your work now. What 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 are you and, and, and some of your EMDR journey? So my EMDR journey was very interesting because it was all, you know, all the the opposite way around. Um, I was initially um, trained as a schema therapist mm-hmm. um, and I did that during my registrar and I was working in community mental health and it was amazing, you know, schema therapy, people could relate to it, to parts, to modes, and it was great. And then I changed um, service and went to a different catchment and I don't know if it was the population who was more complex or my understanding of presentation therapy the mind but suddenly schema therapy not only is not working but it's also very triggering to my clients mm-hmm. um, I did I remember an imaginary scripting exercise where I had a client scream no don't do this this can't happen in, in this country and I thought but it's just your imagination nothing bad can happen yeah so um and then I also had my first DID client Mm-hmm. And so I put schema therapy on the side and just did so much reading and everything yeah. took me to EMDR. Mm-hmm. And so I got trained and I tried and the DID client almost threw up in my, you know, in my, in my, in the room. Yeah. Yeah. As a result of the therapy, the strategy. Mm-hmm. And so I therefore sought consultation and I ended up with Robin Shapiro who, um, you know, helped me to adjust EMDR, modify EMDR for those really dissociative and complex presentations. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, thank you. So if we could just go back to what you were saying about the first time that you used EMDR or using EMDR with that client that was living with dissociative identity disorder and that physical sort of ab reaction of like vomiting or being sick so through your through your sort of trauma informed lens or even your adaptive information processing lens and i'm and i'm i know that you do things so differently now to when you first were using emdr but can you explain to us what do you know now was happening for that client when you just jumped straight into the processing Mm. Oh, what was not happening? I think the <laughs> client was just, I mean, the client and their system, which yep. means part of their sense of self, were just not ready for it because they, apart from, you know, the stabilization method of, you know, if you experience, if you come out of your window of tolerance, this is what you can do to ground your nervous system. And this is what you can do to bring yourself back to the present. But their parts were not oriented to the present. They were, yep. pro- they were probably um, stuck in time. And yep. it's okay to pause and explain what I mean by stuck in time because, you know, Please. we... we read it everywhere but essentially what it means is just that you know if you haven't seen a child for two years right Mm -hmm. because it was COVID lockdown for instance 
if we put some thoughts into it, there is no reason to be surprised, no reasons to be shocked. The child has grown from two to six, six to eight, the child has grown. But when we see a child after two years, we are genuinely surprised and shocked. And we do, you know, go, oh my God, look at you. But why? We've just said it makes so much sense that they've grown. It's because when we go and, you know, meet the child, we are using the last memory we've got of when we last saw them. Mm-hmm. And so during all of this excitement, we kind of sink into the present. Yeah. And, and, and that's, we bring ourselves back in the present. We bring that memory network in the present. The next time we see them, we might go, ah, and then go, oh, no, no, last time it happened, final sinking. Now we have a memory of the child that is now at the accurate age. So this is what I mean, we mean by, you know, paths that are stuck in time. And so if we activate a memory and parts are still living mm-hmm. from a time and there is so yep. much interaction within the system between parts as well, mm-hmm. that's, that's yep. just yeah, no preparation, unfortunately, there. Yeah, too much. Wow, that's a, that's such a great example. Thank you for that. So I'm just actually going to just, just come back to that a little bit because there was a lot in there and I think it's a really useful example because like you said in our community that phrase the 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 part or the person some people might say the person is still stuck where the trauma happened yeah and potentially do you feel that other parts of that client have moved on but there are parts that are still stuck well I think that with this specific client in mind, yes, some of their part um, has caught up with the present, but, you know, to have a DID diagnosis, that means that there must have been so much trauma going on. That, um, and also being, you know, abused by a caregiver, a person Mm -hmm. who is supposed to be a trustworthy person, a loving yep. caring person, so that even if their part, some of their parts might have caught up in time slightly or have mm-hmm. learned a little bit more about the present and a little bit more about that they can rely on the, the ANP that I'm aware of, there is still so much internal struggle and internal um you know, difficulty between parts because some parts hate each other yep. um, and abuse yep. each other. That's, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you mentioned the system. So it sounds like within that client system, there are parts that have been sort of left behind, some parts that might have moved on a bit, conf- conflict, conflict between parts. And if we as EMDR therapists sort of wake all that up, uh, potentially it's going to flood. It's going to flood the system and then cause them to move out of that window of tolerance. Yes. Um, Or you might get nothing because there will be straightaway dissociation. Yeah. Because that's how 
And I'm going to take this very, very complex client away from my mind because with this client, there is so much going on. I'm going to go with yeah. it slightly less. Yeah. Very complex, you know, presentation. Um, can you remind me your question, Tracy? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Yeah, so I was I was asking you about the system, about the client system. So that word, again, is used quite a bit. When you think about the client system for a start, how would you, like, what comes to mind for you when we talk about the client system? Um, I, I think the word system comes from the fact that in the, the theory of structural dissociation looks at it as action system. Mm-hmm. Because essentially, you know, we are, although when we are, we, when we're born, we have no data, no, you know, recollection of anything, no, but we still have a lot of memories that are evolutionary memories or genetic memories. And so as a result of evolution, we come with like a, a template, mm-hmm. with action system that gets activated at developmental stages. Um, and or like for the the defense systems um, when you know um, attacked or abused, mm-hmm. so that's that's what the word systems come from. Where there are many parts of the person's sense of self that are related to the, a certain evolutionary programming. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. Thank you. And so. Just before when we were talking about, I guess, many of our clients' internal systems, I'm curious like whether the, the lens in which I see it through, and I just wanted to check in if it's similar to you or if there's something that you can help me understand further, is that sometimes those systems, there might be like they might be at war, there might be different parts at war with each other or in conflict. There might be some parts that potentially can be functioning in the present, some parts that are stuck back in time and almost like a fracturing within the system. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I think what's important Yes, so when you think of a system, you think of all of who the client used to be once upon a time, right? Mm-hmm. So when we have a part of us who is, let's say, self-harming, right? Yes. But used to be the client when he was doing or when she was doing the behavior, the action, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and so like you said before, we may have parts that are now in conflict with each other or abusing of each other. Mm-hmm. What is yeah. really important for us to remember is that all of the person's part, all of who we are, was created and came about with the intention and the only intention to help. Ah, I love that. Okay, so every part of the person, the, the intention is good. It's it's the intention is there to help. Always, but it got yeah. it got um it became really complex when time passed because you know, even the parts who who tell the client to commit suicide, when we unpack and when we explore, then mm-hmm. we will understand from this part that all they're trying is to help the client 
feel in control of their life or relieve themselves from the pain. And then when you have the ANP go tell you, but it actually causes me more trouble But because every time I hear this part who says, kill yourself, kill yourself, kill yourself, this and this and that happens. Mm -hmm. Did the suicidal part of you know that? Yeah. No, it did not. And now that it heard, now that it heard that it in fact causes the first thing it was trying to prevent. Yeah. How does it react? Yeah. And most of the time, unless you've got a DID client, most of the time the part will say, I feel I'm really sorry. I did not know. Yeah. Yeah. About remembering yeah. That, that all of her parts, all of her client parts were initially created, came about with the only intention to help with survival. Yeah. And that's that, um, that, adaptation and I think you know some of us um, in the community have been really thinking through when we talk about you know positive core core beliefs and negative core beliefs that and those negative core beliefs sometimes we see as maladaptive and in some ways that well in a lot of ways they can get in the way of our life and 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 cause outcomes that are not helpful but but when we really, as you said, peel back all the layers, they were born in an attempt to try and get us something that we weren't getting or like become almost like protector parts, if you like. Yes, to help yeah. us in any way that was needed. Yeah. And I just think that is a, is a really compassionate way to do therapy to to really be appreciative of all the parts and what they're trying to do and then start to understand and be curious and negotiate so can you give us we're going to sort of go back a bit we've launched in because I'm if you're so interesting to talk to I've launched five questions forward and I need to go back (laughs) um so your 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 dissertation that you have completed, can you tell us what the focus of that dissertation was? And I'm interested in, again, you mentioned the population or the community of clients that you mostly work with. And then I want to get a definition of some of the terms that you potentially use. So can we start with, yeah, your dissertation. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So it was was, uh, quite a while now, so bear with me. But (laughs) was on the impact of autobiographical memory um, on Mm self-harm. And so um, what we, um, you know, like the results were that when you compare um, the the content of the autobiographical memories between, you know, the control group and the self-harming group, the self-harming group has more an over-general memory recall than non-self-harming participants, mm-hmm. uh, which means that they stay at the very top level of their memory to avoid any distressing content. So a mm. little bit of dissociation yep. to make sure that they don't come across anything that will be upsetting. Okay. And when we compared between groups, so between, uh, sorry, within group, within the self-harming participants, those who had more frequent and severe self-harming behaviors um, recalled more specific memories 
than those who had you know, um, less frequent and less severe self-harming uh, behaviors, which means that those mm-hmm. who self-harm, it's because they are, mem- that they are distressing content that they have too much access of, and therefore yep. the self-harming behavior, which confirms the, you know, the um, theories of the function of self-harming um, mm. to either release distress Yes. Or release, you know, dissociation, numbness, so that the the person is able to feel something once yeah. the self-harm has occurred. Yeah. Um, when we looked at the between groups results, the participants. Okay. Yeah. And so that knowledge that you brought with you out of all of that study, how does that inform your practice? when you're working with clients who self-harm? Because I work with like the complex PTSD, so, you know, that umbrella of presentation of like personality disorder all the way up to dissociative disorders, they all come up with um, some types of self-harming behaviours. They all present Mm -hmm. some type of self-harming behaviours. But that there is so much going on with these clients that can't just focus on that specific symptom. You know, this is just something that happens in addition to, you know, depersonalization or, or yeah. you know, disordered eating, for instance. Yes. So yeah. it's not just that specific symptom that we focus on in the treatment. It's the whole presentation in terms of okay so what was difficult this week or how was this Mm -hmm. what happened can we explore that yeah again to again make the system the the client and the system ready for then the emdr work yeah okay okay that's that's really important i think so let's just stay there for a minute so what i'm hearing you say is that this for for the the client population that you're working with that self-harm is most likely one way that they are using to help them to either avoid distress or to feel something it's it's one strategy and that you have now come to understand that the way you want you want to support that system enough and help it to feel safe enough to then proceed with EMDR so just one thing they don't so much self-harm to avoid distress but to stop the distress if they are experiencing let's say a flashback or an intrusive okay distressing okay thank you so using self-harm as a way to uh interrupt if you like um distressing thoughts yes or network or someone who are uh, told to use that by another part to for punishment, for instance. Okay, yeah, yep. So with with these clients before proceeding into phase four um, EMDR processing, what are you wanting to be really mindful of, and how do you go about that? Hmm. What is the most important 
thing for me is to make sure that they are ready for the mm-hmm. work. And so mm-hmm. my in my practice, I follow the um, the three-phase treatment approach of the International Society for the Study of Trauma and Dissociation, so mm-hmm. the ISSTD. Mm-hmm. And the, um, it's three-phase. And the first phase is um, establishing safety, of course, stabilization and symptom reduction. The second phase is working on the memories. And then mm-hmm. the first phase, which I've never got to just yet, is integration of, of identity. Okay. So establishing safety and symptom reduction, for me, the way I approach, is, approach it is that um, is through the, the progressive approach by Dolores Muscara, mm-hmm. um, where we want the system to realize that they are no longer stuck in time, that yeah. today's present is 2023. They mm-hmm. live in an adult body. Yeah. Um, so Because when you will ask the part, how old are you? They will say six, five. Yep. And when they ask the part, we're talking through the ANP, through the client, and we ask mm-hmm. the client to um, ask their, their mind, essentially, the part of their sense of self that they can think, feel right now in the, in the room. Yep. With, yeah. Um, so, so can I just check on a phrase you're using there? I, I'm not familiar with it. Did you say we asked the client, I think you said the, the ANP, was yes. it? Yeah, what's that? What's ANP stand for? Uh, the apparently normal part of the personality. Okay, yeah, the apparently normal part of the person. Yeah, and so you also mentioned because we're talking a lot, and it's interesting because last podcast, um, when I, which was about burnout, we were talking about parts and that can be involved in therapist burnout, and you just mentioned a type of parts theory called progressive progressive approach by Dolores Muscari. yeah great and so really helping the client to orientate themselves to this the their body that they're in currently uh, yes. and you're speaking to the apparently uh normal part of the person yes. and are you also speaking directly to the younger parts as well Yes. So, yes. So, you know, when we, we do the standard protocol for EMDR, what is really important is to keep the dual, dual attention, right? So the person knows that they are safe with you in the room and then there is no danger, yet they are also noticing all of those fight and flight sy- symptoms happening in their body, right? Yeah. So it's essentially the same thing. You talk mm-hmm. to the ANP uh, who is experiencing a, a fearful part in their body. Yeah. And so we know that the part is on or memory network is on because they already feel one of the tar- one of the component of a target, which is the body sensation or the emotion. Yep. which means that you therefore know you can have access to the thoughts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you and, and you can ask, and this is the beautiful thing, because then the client needs to be reflective, not yeah. reflexive in their thinking, in their cognitions. 
Mm-hmm. So if they feel, let's say, fearful, and you are able to tell them, but to reorient them to the safety and harmony of your room, mm-hmm. and they're and they're able to go, okay, I know I'm not fearful, and there is nothing to be scared, but I can still feel fear in my body. Mm-hmm. You can talk to this part of you. Is it listening? Yeah. And so yeah. suddenly they have to check in. Is this part listening? This yeah. Yes, it is. And so through the the apparently normal part, because mm-hmm. the, you've been the client is able and you've able to keep your client within that dual attention processing, you're able to ask and, and discuss with the part, whatever yeah. it is you want to know. Yeah. And so why again, just a just a little refresher, is it important for you to be doing this type of work? in preparation for the actual phase four BLS processing? Because sometimes when you've got a complex, you know, system, you have parts. So actually for many reasons, because, you know, if a child was abused, right, in childhood, and Every time that they um, experienced an emotion, they were punished, humiliated, ridiculized. Then the way they learn to cope is by dissociating from their body. Yeah, yeah. And so now emotion Mm -hmm. is classically conditioned with dissociation. It happens to them. So that's one thing. And so if you were to want to start, you know, the standard protocol, as you're going to ask the, the person to recall the emotion, they might yep. say there's nothing in the body. Tapping out. I'm, t- I'm tapping out. <laughs> that's the condition and it just yeah. happens to them. Yeah, that's right. It's not, it's, not, it's not a choice, is it? It's their nervous system saying I'm feeling distress, I'm feeling discomfort, and this is what I do when that happens based on prior um experiences yes just that there is no thinking you know you know if you take a bite of a lemon yeah if you just think of a lemon then your mouth salivates even though right now there is no lemon because that first bite that we've taken as a child into that lemon and it was so intense that now the lemon and the side the perception of a lemon the imagination of a lemon is um classically conditioned with salivation we don't yeah. do it. it; just happens to us. Just happens that's to us. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And so your work to uh, connect, attune, have the client um, like it's like almost like stabilize the parts or re reorientate the parts that they are safe now with you um, is like a really important pre runner to the actual processing that is at times going to cause disturbance. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yes. And another thing that actually can, I'm just going to go back a little bit, Tracy. Another thing is that if the child was punished for having emotions, then they've also developed a phobia of their emotions. A Mm. part of them is scared that we refer to it as dissociative phobia. Mm-hmm. So there is definitely not no touching anything that is going to cause a, an emotion or a body sensation. 
And that's the reason why mm-hmm. part one of this ISTD um, treatment phase is stabilization and symptom reduction. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And just remind us again of what part two is. EMDR. Okay. So, yeah, great. So, yeah. Okay. Wow. Thank you. That's, um, uh, you've got some beautiful metaphors to help us understand some pretty complex uh, workings of the human um, system. Um, So, therapists that are working with clients that self harm um, or have, um, you know, are traveling with suicide intention or have attempted suicide in the past. If there was, um, if there was some advice um, for those therapists out of your experience of working with a lot of complex uh, presentations, what would it be? Like, what would your what would your advice be? And I'm sure you've got lots of advice, but what would your let's even say just top top priorities be that you'd want those therapists to know Hmm. I think that you know the first of all is that of course you want to have you know a level of vigilance and make sure that the person is safe and they've got a safety plan and all of that yeah but do not to to not feel those parts because when we explore and understand those parts, those parts will say that they are just here to help. Yeah. And and they were helpful. The thing yeah. is that at some point when the child was getting abused and the only thing that gave them a sense of control or a sense of release was to think, well, if it all goes bad, at least I can still take my life. Or yeah. When it's all so bad, just go and release all of this through self-harm and you will feel better. That at some point was really helpful and it helped. Yes. So it's just that the part is stuck in time and it hasn't realized so many things. And this is what we want to understand. We want to be able to explore. And this is what I really, really love about the progressive approach is that apart from your model, Mm-hmm. and your hypothesis and your theory, you know nothing about the client and you know nothing about the parts. And the client doesn't know any much about their, their parts as well. Mm-hmm. And so if we follow that nice, amazing, actually, structure of this complex progressive approach, then we will be able to make the client understand why is this part of himself or themselves torturing them so much when in fact yep. it seems to it only is trying to help? And we will be able to help the, the part of the client realize that you were helpful, you were amazing. Yep. In fact, we thank you so much for that. Yeah. Do you understand that now you're causing the first thing you're trying to prevent? Yeah. And when the part reflects on that and hears that, they will say, again, unless it's a dissociated DID client, it will say, I did not know. And I am so sorry. And in fact, I feel sad. Yeah. 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 So what I'm, so what I'm, it, I think I might have mentioned it 
to you before when, when well, you just it's a very compassionate way to work. I, I, I believe that we are being curious about the part's purpose and about what it was doing for us at that time, back in time. And then it's almost like showing appreciation for that part's intent, which is to make you feel better or to keep you safe or to have a backup plan. Um, And then, like you say, really reorientating. But now we might have other options. There might be other options that can help keep this person safe because if we keep following through on your plan, we're going to do the thing that you least want to happen. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. Okay, so in terms of that advice to to our therapists, you said, uh, yes, safety risk assessment, safety planning, all those things, but then being open to not be afraid of that part or to, you know, sometimes we can back away from it or feel we don't know how to deal with that part of the person because it can be quite confronting, but to more be curious and really look for its intent. Yes. And what is it yeah. scared about? And what is it scared about? Yeah. Because if yeah. it's a fight system, it's a fight action system. So if it's mm-hmm. here, we know it's a defense system. So yeah. why are you here? What is it that you worry about? Yeah. That information definitely would come from childhood. And yes. now we're able to go, oh, that's what you think. But that's not happening. Did you know that? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, um, so, so, can I just yes, please do, please do. I started to realize lately, as it's coming up so much in therapy, parts are scared that they will be um, um, deleted. Yes, they are really scared of that. That's why they're stubborn. And so, if we tell them. And to the client, we don't want you to get rid of this part. Oh my gosh, this part is so determined, so strong, yeah. so resourceful. No, yeah. when are we going to get rid of such amazing part of you? We just want this part to to, to learn uh, to up, you know, to get um, an update yeah. in in their yeah. world. an upgrade. <laughs> yeah. Upgrade. That's it. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And I think also. In my experience, parts really want to be appreciated for all the hard work they've been tr- they've been doing. You know, so it's it's um yeah, it's a beautiful way to work. And Cecile, if there are people that really would love some more support around the parts work that they are doing, or if they're working with complex clients and would love to get some more of you, get some more of your input, um, tell us about your supervision. Sure. So I am a, a board-approved uh, clinical supervisor, mm-hmm. um, and also I'm because of my weird journey with EMDR. I did all of it through uh, EMDRIA. Yeah. So I'm completing my consultancy this month, and yeah. then I will do all of the administrative paperwork to be, um, you know, recognized through EMDR Australia. Great. And so that can hopefully uh, provide consultation for those who are looking, you know, to do their accreditation or anything yeah. in 
brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Great. But in the meantime, if there's therapists out there that aren't necessarily on the accreditation pathway, but really are keen to have more understanding of some of the things we've been talking about today, they could go ahead and reach out to you now. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. So as we're starting to sort of wrap up, um, come to the end of our time together today, um, you are such a passionate person that it feels to me that you um, there's you you have a lot of energy for your work and your clients. So, and you mentioned about your new adventures with ice baths and and grounding. Um, and I know you've got children as well. So, what do you do to keep yourself um, well? What are you doing to keep yourself well and robust and energized alongside of your work? Um, so first of all, I love the work. Like I love the work so much because I, again, you know, like coming from a point of view of I only know the theory, only know the models. Now I'm going to have fun and explore that. And sometimes I even say to the client, I, I really, you know, because, uh, you know, clients often apologize for this or apologize for that or for not being too present in the session or too talkative or, you know, anything. Mm-hmm. I would say, oh, no, I, you know, I love working with you from here, from where I sit, it's fun. I don't know yeah. how you're feeling about it, but from here it's, you know, so one, I love work. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. I can tell you do. <laughs> so you love work. So it feels like work itself is energizing for you. Yeah, yeah. And um, and so when work is energizing, do you feel like you need extra things at home to to keep you going, or how does that work for you? Sometimes I tell my husband, um, "Okay, it's time to go to for, for an ice bath. I need my mind to stop." okay yeah yeah every morning I do three minutes ice uh, like cold shower yeah yeah I was initiated as well into a very very powerful meditation called Shambhavi meditation Mm -hmm. actually the Indiana University has done some research on that just (laughs) side note yeah yeah Uh, Yes, and, you know, just family and, again, taking them to the forest, taking them to the river. Got my lab. Love my beautiful pepper. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. So all things that help you, sounding like they're things that help you to really be in the present moment with what is there in front of you. Yeah, beautiful. Well, I really do thank you for being a guest on Understanding EMDR and we're going to pop um, some contact details uh, in the show notes as always so you can um, track down Cecile if you'd like to spend some more time with her. So thank you again for coming on our show today. Yeah, thank you. And thank you all for being with us on Understanding EMDR feel free to reach out to our guests via the show notes or myself, Tracy Lynch, via tracylynch.com.au. And today we're sending you warmth, kindness and understanding. Bye for now.